Now batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. I'm your host, Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located over at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Some bad news, Coach's is going to be closing, we believe, come May. So you've got two more months to get to Coach's. Opening day right around the corner, so you can head over there for some Cubs baseball and make sure to do that. We've got a really excited episode coming up and a very special guest, the Director of Morale for the Chicago Cubs. Dom, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely, Anthony. Thanks for for having me. I have to start off. What's happening with coaches? So I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, I heard it was a a lease issue um, that coaches is going to be shutting down. No, uh, no word yet if they're going to be opening up um, at a different location, but uh, that location on Northwest Highway is going to be uh, closing down. All right, that's too bad. Yeah, too bad. Bit, bit of a, definitely a bummer, but I want to start this first. Um, how would you like to be addressed, Fred or Dom? Oh, you can call me, you can call me whatever you want. Dom's fine. I've gotten used to that over the years, uh, but Fred's fine too. Whatever works. Gotcha. So, Director of Morale, I'm assuming everybody who's listening to this Cubs podcast would know who you are and what you do, but for those who might not, could you explain? Oh, yeah. Um, Pretty much, well, it depends on who you ask, Anthony, um, depending on how people view me. I think some people would say I'm, like, absurdly optimistic on the team and try to see, you know, the good stuff. Uh, And I, I would still say that's true um but overall i would say for the most part um you know i I try to look at the team objectively i try to find the the positive things about it i try to make jokes about the team sometimes i'm hard on the team and deservingly so but um you know I, i want the cubs to win and compete and hold themselves to a high standard and through that has kind of turned into, you know, me coming up with sticks and jokes and stuff like that. But it, like I said before, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> Got it. And, and I mean, obviously one of the biggest things you've always been kind of known for saying is Cubs and four, I don't care who we play, uh, which yeah. I've always I've always loved sure. that. Um, and I honestly, I just got to say it's really cool to see kind of uh, the relationship you've been able to develop with you know, some of the players um, with, you know, your morale that you continue to, to direct for the Cubs. And, um, I appreciate that, yeah. Namely, Ian Happ, that's yeah, been no, awesome I mean, to watch. It, yeah, no, it's been a, um, yeah, it's been fun to see uh, players get involved uh, and pay attention to it, um, especially the ones that you don't think are paying attention to it. Sometimes are the ones that pay the most attention to it. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is one that has come to mind. He, he started following me, um, I don't know, what, five, four or five years ago um, while he was still on the team. And I interviewed him. We did uh, an interview for our morale podcast two months ago. And uh, as soon as we started the, uh, started the call, he was asking me like about my, you know, sewer issues I was having and stuff like that that I didn't think you'd be paying paying attention to. So um, yeah, no, it, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm not one to 
I mean, these guys are asked up all the time and, you know, asked to come on to radio shows and do articles and podcasts and stuff like that. So I try not to feed them that same energy, if you will, and try to, I don't know, level or try to uh, be more casual. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been awesome to see the, the players like it. But there are, are some players, too, that have had issue with what I've done. Um, I actually just got a... Uh, a DM about a month ago from a, from a Cub that we, we all know and love um, over the years, not on the team anymore, that had a problem with something that I said. Um, so, yeah, it kind of goes both ways, but for the most part, 99% of it is always positive. Gotcha. And, I mean, you've built up a, a pretty strong following of almost 38,000 people on Twitter. Where where did that kind of start, and, and how did you get your start doing this? Oh, well, this is my 10th season talking about Cubs baseball um 10th season tweeting about the Cubs you know again depending on how you view what I do you could describe it in different ways I just think over time um obviously there's some compound interest with just being one of the first people like really on Cubs Twitter if you will I mean I was tweeting about the team and sending videos out uh tweeting videos out back when Vine was still a thing Uh, and putting it on that platform that was then, you know, linked to Twitter. So I've been doing it for a while. I also think for better, well, again, depends on who you ask. I I think I'm I'm good enough with uh, being authentic to myself and being unique to, I don't know, my own sense of humor. And from that, I think people gravitate to it. So, I mean, it it really depends on who you ask. I just think I've, I've been honest about things. I've tried to joke about things. I've, you know, I called myself out when I was totally wrong on stuff, but then I've also been bullish on, on other things like Kyle Schwarber and, you know, always use my, my goddamn left fielder even when he tore his ACL uh, in 2016 coming off the field. I remember he stole my goddamn left fielder and then that kind of coming to fruition and now him hitting third on Team USA. So I've been bullish on stuff, but I've also made fun of myself for some dumb things that I've said in the past. Um, I don't know. I think maybe asking other people would, would give a better um, uh, understanding to how everything's happened the way it has. Because I guess I don't really follow myself. I just tweet things that I think are funny and, <laughs> you know, are worth that. Yeah, true. And you brought up your goddamn left fielder, Kyle Schwarber. So I had this question, yeah. and I, uh, I was sitting in my living room watching the game um, against Japan, and uh, and it was you, Darvish, bad news, pitching against the goddamn left fielder, Kyle Schwarber. Um, yeah. And I, I looked over to my brother, who also follows you on Twitter, and I said, what do you think Dom's thinking right now? And then, <laughs> you know, two pitches later, Schwarber took him deep. So what was that at bat like for you? Uh, you know, it's, I'm not going to lie, it's tough, man. I mean, those are arguably my – two favorite Cubs of all time. I, I say, you know, really bad news. There was just some, there was this, like, innocence about him that was just fantastic, and he was funny, and he was the best pitcher we had seen since Jake, which I know isn't that far away, but, like, he was a true ace, and he was electric, but he was also, like, you know, just very unique in the way he interacted with people on Twitter, and yeah, that was tough. And then Kyle is just this down-to-earth, like, guy that, you know, 
goes to the local bar, you know, just like any other guy that plays 16 in softball in Mount Prospect. He's just like one of those type of guys, man. And then, then facing each other in, you know, a huge spot, right? Everyone's calling it like one of the biggest games of baseball in the last decade or so. Um, yeah, it just kind of comes full circle to the, really the reality set that, man, we had it a lot better than how we have it right now. Uh, but hopefully we can get back to a spot where I feel the same way and those guys are actually on our team while that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was certainly fun to watch, and, and we definitely miss those guys here in Chicago. But on the topic oh, yeah. of the World Baseball Classic, you know, there was a lot of different arguments going on about, you know, players being injured and, and this is a meaningless tournament. Yeah. Why do they have pro players? I mean, there's no way that you can yeah. look at this tournament and not think it was the best thing for baseball maybe since the steroid era. Yeah, no, it was good. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. Um, but I also will be honest in saying that as an American whose favorite team plays a couple miles from where I live, like I didn't feel the same juice as I do for the Cubs playing on Thursday. And maybe I'm in the minority there, but um, it, it was great. It was fantastic. It's, it's a world game, obviously putting it on display for everybody to see. But you know, Anthony, for, for someone who's followed me, I think you know I'm dialed into 162 with 1060 West Addison. Like I'm like this is this is the time of year where I'm locking in and I'm I'm getting ready to you know be be dialed for 162 games to try to make it to a playoff series to try to win a goddamn baseball game, which we haven't done in seven years, Anthony. So that's where more of my focus was. It's not. I think the WBC is irrelevant or it's not important or, you know, it's meaningless. But, hey, man, I'm focused on Jed trying to turn this ship around, especially in a critical year where we don't have to sell three uh, three times, you know, uh, three, three uh, consecutive years at the trade deadline. So I hope that answers my question, but you can tell where my, my focus is right now in terms of baseball. Yeah, for sure, and, and I'm with you too, so we can kind of shift gears into the, the current team. Um, I mean, you look again at watching the World Baseball Classic, and you've got Kyle Schwarber facing off against you, Darvish, and you look into the playoffs last year, and or two years ago even, and Rizzo's playing for a team, and Schwarber's playing for a team, and Baez was on the Mets um, two years ago for their run, and Bryant in the playoffs for the Giants. And, and these are all guys that never got extended, and, and their time to Chicago kind of came to an end. Now, be it what it may, maybe some of these guys aren't having, you know, that strong next portion of the career. And, and maybe Jed was right to, to move these guys. But it's hard to watch your favorite player continue to leave and not stay here long term. Do you think sure. now maybe an Ian Happ or a Nico Horner, now that they're starting to put pen to paper on guys like Bellinger and, and Dansby Swanson and Marcus Stroman and Seiya Suzuki last year, do you think it's time we finally see one of our favorite Cubs get extended, or is it going to be another cycle where once you know arbitration years are done, we'll see you later? Well, I'll say this, Anthony. I don't feel as confident as I would if there was, obviously, some deal done with Ian Happ, and uh, I'd feel a lot better if they were closer in talks, which does not seem to be the case. It seems like they're very far apart, actually. Um here, here's what I'll say. I think we'll know a lot about this team in the first eight weeks. I think by the time, you know, May 20th rolls around, I think we're going to have a good idea of whether or not 
guys are going to get extended or, you know, it, it, we're just going to have the same song and dance every July like we've had the last two seasons. Um, this team is set up to potentially make some noise within the division, but at the same time, it's a team that could sell off all their pieces like we have in the past. So I just think this team has to come out to a hot start. You need the starting pitching to figure it out. You need Hayden Wesnitsky to be an absolute stud. You need Marcus Stroman to pitch his potential, pitch to the contract he was given, which is a you know very fair contract. I think a lot of coach fans would agree with that. Uh, you need Justin Steele to take another step and go deep into ball games. I mean, all these things have to happen to feel like in the end what you're saying that it is warranted to sign Ian up for you know whatever he's going to want five, six, seven years at you know a pretty lofty number or uh, to try to go to Cody Bellinger and, and make a contract offer for an extension, things like that. Because if not, and if we're not playing well, then we just have a bunch of pieces that can help out other teams come, you know, the trade deadline, which I hope is not the case. I'm sick and tired of watching our team do the song and dance and circus of, you know, hug watch and everyone gets a standing ovation come July. And, you know, we, we've done that already, right? We've done that so many times. So we'll know early and uh, we'll know often. I don't, I don't, especially this being the third year of us kind of more or less threading the needle. Um, We'll have a good idea of where our team's at because we've experienced it. We've seen this. We've seen this game before, uh, and I hope it's. I hope it's not the same exact game, but we've seen the game plan kind of play out over the last couple of years. And uh, I hope for our sake, it's not going to go the exact same way it has uh, recently. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. I've always, um, you know, I love Theo, and I, and I love what Theo did for uh, this organization. But I've always kind of thought he kind of screwed Jed a little bit when he left and Jed took over a situation with a bunch of players who had no intention of coming back at that point. Um, So to Jed's credit, I think he's done a good job of wiggling with the roster the last two years to make it where it's constructed in a way that no matter what, you can get something in return. (laughs) I apologize, Anthony. Got a special guest here. All right, keep going. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. He's fine. Um, No, I was just saying, I think Jed's done a a good job of constructing the roster in a way that, you know, if it needs to be broken apart, it can be, and it's not going to hurt the long term. Um, But at the same time, I don't want it to be broken apart. You know, I want this team to be acquiring talent at the deadline and not talent that I won't see wearing pinstripes for four years, you know? For sure. I mean, you're going to eventually have to put your foot in the ground and move forward uh, eventually. You're, You're you're going to have to draw a line in the sand saying we're, we're moving forward from here. And uh, I hope this is the season that we do that. I mean, I, I think you could argue both ways. Like, you're right. Jed has given the team flexibility, but flexibility only gives you so much. I mean, hell, the, the, the uh, Reds and the Pirates and the Athletics, they're as flexible as anybody, but they don't win. Like, eventually you got to – Eventually, you got to put your your chips in. You got to show some investment, which the Cubs have done. I know they signed Danzy Swanson for the big contract. I know they paid Jameson Tyon. I know they they made some free agent moves like say Suzuki, etc. But you know these other teams are doing a lot more. Um, and I guess it, I guess it comes down to how skilled is, skilled is Jed at um, managing a big market franchise. 
like a mid-market team. And if he can find a way to do that and, and go out and win Central uh, NL Central divisions and be smart about the money, then fine. But guess what? He hasn't proven that yet. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I've also said publicly that, in my mind, Jed has two years. Jed has two years. If he, if he can't figure it out in these next two years, then I, I've seen enough. He's been at the helm for... Hell, what did they come in here? 2012? Uh, over 10 years. This will be his 11th season. We, we've seen the game. We, we've seen what he's done. We've seen the, the good things. We've seen the negative things. And I'll give him two more years to figure it out. And this being one of them. Um, so while I'm super fired up for the Cubs to be back at Wrigley Field, back at the Federal Landmark, um, you know, back with, you know, the, the people that we love to watch baseball games with and the people we love to watch play baseball, in my mind, there's still a standard and there's still an expectation that has to be met, and it's not just roll the balls out. We have this new team. Let's see what happens. I think this is a critical year for Jed, and I'm going to hold him. I'm going to hold him to that uh, because eventually you got to win here. This, this isn't this isn't Pittsburgh. This isn't Milwaukee. This isn't you know Oakland. Like you win in Chicago, they're the four, fourth highest valued Major League Baseball franchise, um, and and we're not here for you know. Peanuts, man. We're, we're, we're here to win championships. That was a standard that they set back in 2016. As Cubs fans, I feel like it's something that we have to hold them to. Yeah, I'm with you 100%, and, and I'm excited. I think, you know, you made some moves that point you in the right direction. You know, whether or not that means Bellinger stays throughout the season or beyond, at least they made an attempt to improve the team this offseason, and that's something that Absolutely. we shouldn't be, you know, clapping about like that should be expected but at least it happened which I'm looking forward to seeing um, some of those guys in pinstripes one of my questions when I wrote these originally was going to be about Dansby Swanson's struggles in spring training and if you made anything of that but he's hitting bombs the last Uh, couple of days so um, I'm feeling a little bit better about him on opening day I am feeling better but I think I mean I think it's worth the fact that um, yeah he really was struggling I think he was hitting point zero seven nine and listen i didn't play in the big league i didn't i didn't play at the level these guys did but i can only imagine if you just signed a hundred what did he sign 177 million dollars yep 177 he's he's the guy that's supposed to be the captain the leader the guy everyone looks to the john lester of this era you can't tell me you're just working on stuff in spring training and you're just okay with hitting like he has striking out as much as he has, right? Right. You can't, I'm sorry, that's not the case. So, um, yeah, he's going to have to prove it. I know the two home runs have been nice the last two days. Um, obviously, it's positive signs, but no one can tell me that, oh, yeah, he's just working on something. He's just taking fastballs right down the middle. He just wants to swing through every breaking ball he sees. <laughs> uh, I, I don't believe that. Uh, so he's definitely got work to do. And come Thursday, man, he better be dialed in because, like I said before, man, like, Jason Hayward was um, the prime example of what the Cubs cannot do in free agency. Sure, they tried, but they swung and missed. And I think Ansby has the same leadership profile, same locker room profile. They came from the same organization. Same organization, right? Like, all the the things you're looking at, which, again, play into probably why the, the move was made by Jed, but... It can't be the same result. If it is the same result, well, hey, it's, it's a failure, and I'm even looking at some, you know, predictions that are coming out this week about who's going to win the NL Central and 
who's going to be the best player, best pitcher, and who's going to regress the most. And I think unanimously it's been Dansby Swanson, which is, you know, uh, a, a fair candidate considering how well he played last year. So we'll see, but um, I, I just know this for sure. The pressure's on. And I'm not going to necessarily put heat on him right off the bat. I'm not going to, you know, rip him for having a bad spring training. I won't rip him for having a tough, you know, six weeks. But come end of May, kind of put up or shut up, um, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and, you know, you head into this spring training with a few positions that seemed like you knew who was going to be there. Um, obviously, say and right, although he won't be ready uh, for opening day. Bellinger, center field, Happen left, Swanson at short, and uh, Horner, excuse me, at second, um, which left, you know, a bunch of players left for those last couple positions, and now you throw right field into that mix with Suzuki Hurt. You've got Christopher Morrell. You've got Nick Madrigal. You've got Patrick Wisdom, Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini, who are, you know, newly signed acquisitions, and then some of the guys that are just putting together good spring trainings, like a, a Mike Talkman who was recently sent down, Edwin Rios, Miles Mastroboni. So I just kind of wonder how you think at least, you know, I'm assuming all these guys will eventually come up and play this season. But maybe give me your April, May prediction of how third base, first base, and, and right field gets handled until Saya comes back. Yeah, no, I think it's a good question. I think probably going to see a lot more Trey Mancini in the outfield than Jed was particularly looking for. Um, I think you're Personally, and I don't know if this is the smartest thing ever, but I just think it's worth a shot considering we gave up Craig Kimber for him. I just think you got to give Nick Magical a chance at third to see what he can do, especially in a cold April and May with the wind blowing in off the lake. Uh, a guy that's obviously not going to hit the ball in the air, that's going to play small ball, that's going to put the ball in play, put the ball on the ground, try to utilize the new shift rules to his, um, you know, advantage and go from there uh, i think if nick madrigal can can figure something out early I, i'm not saying he's the you know the, the future at third but um at least he's a guy that you know can contribute in a utility role and if he can handle himself over there defensively then even better so i'm going to give him the spot at third obviously hosmer considering say is not back will probably get most of the at bats at um first and Forgive me. Has Mervis already been optioned to Triple A? Yes. What's the deal with Mervis right now? Um, he was. Yeah. He was in not the the most recent, but the one before uh, to Triple A camp. One before that, yeah, yeah. So I guess you're you're riding with Eric Hosmer hitting three ground balls, you know, into the dirt uh, every hey, day. Some so of those might get into right field now. Some of those might get into right field. You're right, but um, yeah, we'll see how that plays. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold myself. Too, uh, too much judgment right off the bat. Um, but again, say has got to get healthy and, and this offense has got to click and it's got to click fast. They don't. I think the biggest thing with this team, like, I think Cubs fans and myself included have kind of like, I don't want to say um, fallen to this, you know, this idea, but I feel like we've looked at the roster the last couple of years and been like, all right, they can be like, Consistent. They can be like solid players. They can be like guys that will grind out at bats. That's how I kind of felt like at the beginning of last year, like putting the ball in play. We have Nick Madrigal. We have Nico Horner. It looks different. Yada yada yada. Uh, I felt like that in 2021. 
But it's just really hard to win like that because game, baseball is so, you know, volatile and, and it's, it's so hard to, like, put good at-bats together. And if you don't have, like, a superstar, an MVP candidate, a guy that can hit home runs but not going to strike out every single time he comes up to the plate, it, it's really challenging to put stuff together. You really do need, like, one or two guys that can put a team on their back consistently and be an absolute stud. And that's what we've seen with the Cardinals, right? Like, two horses and a couple role players around him that can uh you know help win themselves uh nl central division titles so um that's the one thing i worry about that we don't have a star we we don't really have like a true all-star either um but we'll see how it plays i'm I'm hoping the pitching staff can find ourselves in a situation where they can carry us something that we have not had for a while now um and, and can can win some close games, and we figure out the bullpen, which Jed is shown to do, uh, and we find ourselves in a pish, position come summer where, hey, we have a chance of competing in the NL Central. But we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to give Jed some credit because finally it feels like you have a little bit of pitching depth, at least starting pitching depth, which is yeah, something that's been I agree. super thin um, over the years. But So I want to ask, so for example here, Mancini in right, Madrigal in third, and then – you're looking at, at, at Mastroboni and, and Rios probably as bench options, so then Morel and Mervis can yeah. get regular at-bats in AAA? Yeah, I'd say that. I, I think, you know, the, the Rios guy, he's intriguing, but at the same time, I don't totally trust him because if you just look at Fangraph and you look at his career in L.A., he's striking out, you know, 30% of the time. And we've played that game with a lot of players before, and, and that's just – that gets redundant after a while, and um, I don't know. We, we need – listen, I think Jed tried his hardest, and maybe – well, maybe not his hardest, but he's tried to acquire guys to counter what the Cubs had fallen into in the past, which was home runner bust uh, with a lot of strikeouts, and obviously, you know, fans get frustrated with that after a while, obviously by Kyle forward type. Um, and I don't know if – while the Cubs do need offense and – Naturally, you know, the more home runs you hit, you're probably going to pay some more as well. Um, I think he, he wants to thread the needle in that way and try to find guys that can do a little bit of both, right? Hit the ball out, but also make enough contact to find some quality at bats in there. So, um, well, I'm, 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 I'm not really feeling Rios as a starter, uh, but it's going to put a big onus on Eric Hosmer and obviously Nick Madrigal to, to play like true starters if the Cubs are going to obviously succeed early on in the season. Yeah, and you've got Wisdom, who will probably bounce around third base in the outfield, maybe even a little first, as well as DH. So we'll see. I'll be interested to see kind of how this team fully looks once Kyle Hendricks and Seiya Suzuki come back, because I think that's when you're at your peak roster construction, and hopefully they're not, you know, 10 games below at that point. You know, hopefully we'll see kind of what that team could look like, and I'm hoping, like you said, not another um, big sell-off at the end. But right now, Vegas has them set at 77 wins. Um, just taking a look at that, would you guess over? Yeah, I'm going to say over, but I'm not going to say over by much. I'm going to say 80 wins this year. That's kind of been the number that I've fallen on. I don't, again, going back to our original conversation, uh, Anthony, your first question, how – how would you describe what I do? I think a lot of people would say, 80 wins? You're, you're being a hater. You're, you're not you're not giving ourselves a chance. What happened to all the morale, Dom? 
I, I just think in the end, I don't think we have enough offense to do um, warrant winning more games. And, and while I can't stand the Brewers and they're a second-class Subway sandwich organization, I think we're forgetting that they did win 86 games last year or something around that number. Um, and that shouldn't necessarily be taken lightly because we, we went out and got, you know, Danzy Swanson and Eric Hosmer and, Cody Bellinger on a one-year prove-it deal. Um, I think it's a little bit more complex than that. Um, and for that, I feel like 80 wins is a fair assessment. It's still over from what Vegas has, but I think saying, all right, the Cubs are a 88-win potential wild-card team gunning for an NL Central at the end of September. Man, I think that's aggressive. I love the optimism, but I don't necessarily see it right now. I think a lot of things got to go in our favor. And a lot of players frankly, are going to have to play a lot better. And I think in the end, we all know, after watching this team critically for the last, you know, watching the Golden Era and then watching Schwarber and Rizzo, we know some of our best guys are going to have some bad seasons this year. It's just how it happens. There's going to be one guy on the team or a couple guys on the team that you had high hopes for that's just going to absolutely, you know, just lose it, and and unfortunately, that's how baseball goes. And it's going to be up to the Cubs' depth and the Cubs' uh, bench players, and and Jed and and uh, David Ross to, to find the right guys to get the job done and find the numbers that that need to be there for a winning team at the end of the day. Regardless of who's putting that production up, they got to have the numbers. The homers got to be there. The average has to be there. The on base percentage has to be there. The you know the K ratio has got to be there. Um, and and the Cubs are just going to have to prove it. Yeah, absolutely. I I can't wait to watch them. I've been counting down the days, opening day on Thursday. Um, My last question for you is obviously Shohei Otani is a baseball unicorn, maybe one of the best players, if not the best player we'll ever see. Um, And he's due to be a free agent after this year. So on the off chance him or his agent come across this podcast, what's your pitch for Shohei Otani? Well, Shohei, there's nothing like the federal landmark. There's nothing like Wrigley Field. There's nothing like this fan base that, frankly, if I'm being honest, probably has zero expectation of you actually signing with the Cubs. But I can guarantee if you did sign with the Cubs, you'd have the greatest reaction, the greatest feedback, the greatest positivity that you would with any other fan base. And, frankly, we've seen with some big-time big free agents that did not play up to their contracts, were still beloved and still, you know, looked at as heroes if they did anything, you know, remotely close to winning here in Chicago. Whatever you do, if you win for us and you put your heart out on the line and you're a good person, Chicago's going to appreciate you regardless of how much you're, you're being paid. And I can argue that you're probably going to have a lot of pressure on yourself considering you're going to have the largest uh, contract in Major League Baseball history. So, Something to think about. Uh, there's nothing like Wrigley Field. There's nothing like playing in front of the Ivy, in front of, the, uh, dare I say it, some of the best fans in baseball, not to quote St. Louis. But um, there's nothing like it, and uh, we'd love to have you. Cubs in four. But let me preface this, Anthony, end quote, I have zero expectation that it's going to actually happen. Yeah, I mean, I we could dream, right? I mean, you sign him and there's a statue out You're front right. for Jed exactly. and him. Yep, you're right. Absolutely, we can. We'll uh, see. We'll see. I, I would say I would say that 
Judge looking at that saying, I, I'd rather spend that money on 10 different players instead of on one. But um, maybe maybe Tom has a rabbit up his hat and decides to spend like he actually should be spending considering the Cubs are one of the most profitable franchises in sports. Hey, but there's going to be, you know, there's the hotel and there's going to be a sports book. Isn't that good? Yep. <laughs> yep. You're right. You're right. Money's coming in. They got the beer baths. They got the small Cheval burgers. They got the all, the whole deal, the whole deal. So hopefully that uh, also adds into what we can pay Shohei. Gotcha. All right. Well, Dom, I'll see you at Wrigley hopefully this year. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Anthony, and I apologize for my son if he was too loud or interrupted some of your questions. No, he's the heiress to the director of morale. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thank you guys all for listening. Remember, this episode is found on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or the Cubs HQ website and presented by Coach's Bar and Grill. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.